Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundness Initiative. This episode is sponsored by the National Police Credit Union. The National Police Credit Union was born out of a desire to serve those who serve and protect. As a division of Chicago Patrolman's Federal Credit Union, they are built upon over eight decades of expertise in providing financial services to police officers. The National Police Credit Union, we mean police business. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I am privileged to have two leaders of the Savannah Police Department, Lieutenant Richard Wiggins and Chief Roy Minter. Uh, I had the distinct pleasure to to meet Lieutenant Wiggins, uh, primarily because of the National Police Credit Union. We were privileged to have the Public Safety Business Summit in Savannah a couple months ago at the beautiful Shark House with great food, and uh, we had some extra food and the National Police Credit Union came through and uh, and bought the rest of our food and donated it to the Savannah Police Department. I hope that, that Lieutenant, that you didn't just take it home, that you actually did share it with your fellow officers. Did that happen? I shared about half of it. And then, you know, the kids really enjoyed the shepherd's pie. <laughs> there you go. Chief Minter, did you get any of that? Just, just a little bit of it, but what I have was really good. It was great food. <laughs> awesome. Well, we were very pleased that we were able to donate that. I don't think uh, we and everybody else does enough for our law enforcement, so we were happy to help. Big shout out to the National Police Credit and a big shout out to the Chart House in Savannah. They did an awesome job. Great service, great food. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about Savannah and what you're doing, the great things you're doing in that city because as an outsider who's been to Savannah a number of times, it's kind of a unique city. It's kind of a little bit of a small town, but, you know, it has some big city issues and so forth. You know, so let's start with the community. And I'll, I'll start with Lieutenant Wiggins, because I know you're doing great things with Savannah and Bucks. Let's start there. Tell us what you're doing with them. So this really started about six years ago. Um, I work a extra duty job at a local church here in town and have had the absolute privilege of getting to know uh, a young child named Liam, um, who unfortunately has uh, Down syndrome. And so he's nine now, uh, watched him grow up. And when I tell you, you know, if you've ever seen a fan of the police, this guy is the number one fan. Um, I like him already. Maybe we should get oh. him on this show. You know what? You guys leave. Get Liam on. <laughs> it kidding. would be a much better show. Um, I mean, just two weeks ago, I had him out there helping me direct, you know, traffic in the parking lot. I mean, he just, he wants to be a police officer. He dresses up uh, like that for Halloween, you know, every other Thursday, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, he's really meant a lot to me personally um, over the years and really serves as a reminder of why we do the job. Um, when he looks at you, he it really does. He looks at you, you know, that's my hero right there. And you really feel it as a police officer. Um, so the Savannah Ann Bucks is an organization that has benefited him throughout uh, his life. And basically what they do is uh, they inspire mobility and independence for people with uh, different abilities. Uh, they provide uh, scholarships uh, phys- uh, for therapists uh, to the local Georgia Southern Armstrong campus. 
uh, scholarships to the local technical colleges for uh, people with different abilities. And they do a bowling league, uh, mm. which brings me to this. And they also recently started a T-ball league. Uh, so that's just now starting to get underway. Uh, but this bowling league, every year they do the, uh, what they call the celebrity uh, Bolapalooza. So Liam's mom asked me one day, you know, hey, do you think that you can get a team of Savannah police officers uh, to bowl on a team with Liam for the celebrity Bolapalooza? And of course I said, absolutely. Like I said, he's meant a lot to me and all the other officers that I've had working at that church. Um, plus he was out on, he lives out on our Southside precinct. We've done drive-by birthday celebrations for him. He's come to all of our community events. He's even running the 200 Club Savannah Mile, which uh, benefits fallen first responders, their families and military heroes. So he is very well known to our department uh, and in the community. So uh, without a doubt, I was willing to do it. And part of uh, being a celebrity bowler and putting a team together, we have to raise money to which all proceeds go to the AMBUX. Um, the minimum amount for each celebrity bowler or team uh, is, is $5,000 is what they ask. Uh, so far, the fundraising began maybe around early April into March uh, and goes through October. Uh, SPD has so far been able to raise $16,320 nice. for the Savannah Ambucks. Um, we also have three more fundraising events scheduled. Uh, I was talking to a gentleman that's helping us out with one of our fundraisers the other day, and he said, well, you've already made 16000 You know, you're, the minimum was five. What's your goal? Mm -hmm. And I told him the record. You know, if you're going to do it, you may as well go big and go all out. And so I really appreciate the support we've gotten from our community business partners uh, to donate towards our campaign and towards the Savannah Ambucks and to help not only Liam, but several other children uh, in our community that have different abilities to provide these three-wheeled Amtrikes, which this money is going to go towards uh, to help them, you know, have the bicycling experience uh, that we all, you know, take for granted is uh, just means a lot. Yeah, that that's, that's awesome. Um, really important question. Maybe the most important one that I'll ask in our time together, um, chief mentor, do you put Liam with Lieutenant Wiggins so that you have less accidents happen when he's directing traffic? You know, when traffic's coming, you don't let other people make a left. It, it just doesn't work out well that way. Well, I think it basically comes down to having confidence and having at least one person there who I know is going to be getting some work done. <laughs> yeah, who's you know, actually confident. And making sure that he's taking care of duties and responsibilities while Lieutenant Wiggins is doing what he does best, and that is being a great supervisor. Great. Yep. <laughs> he's, what, what's, what's that? The Peter principle? You move up to, to where you do the least damage or something like that? Incompetence. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, getting back into serious mode, which I don't like to stay in too long. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you, you going into detail in what you're doing, Lieutenant. I know in doing this show and, and another law enforcement related show over the last five years that, that our, our law enforcement officers do a lot of great things out there and, and they, they do great at doing great things in the community, 
but not so well at PR in telling everybody uh, about what they're doing. Uh, and I think the reasoning is a lot of good things in that, you know, they don't want to toot their own horn. They just want to do good things. Uh, but I think that it's important that uh, that the community and, and beyond, you know, really knows what's going on there. Um, I want to get to Chief Minter um, next because I want to talk about Savannah and the challenges of policing a city like Savannah. Um, yeah, I, I live in Long Beach, California, so I know some of the challenges as a civilian through talking to law enforcement, what it's like to, to actually uh, police a port city. Um, and then you also have you know, kind of a small town, so you could say with 150,000 people, it's a manageable city. Uh, but you know, there's still you know, challenges in a city that size. What are some of the challenges in policing a city like Savannah? Well, Ken, you're absolutely right. I mean, we are a city with a population, a residential population of about 150,000, but we're also a huge tourist town. I mean, we usually take mm -hmm. in somewhere around 15 million visitors a year, people coming in to visit our great city and about right at about $3 billion in revenue. So the safety and security of both our residents and our visitors is of course a top priority for us. Um, a lot of people look at just our resident population and say, we only have 150,000 people in the city, but they don't consider the number of people who come into our city on a daily and a weekly and a monthly basis to visit this great city. Yeah, and I will say um, bluntly, that yeah, I spent a week in your city for for the conference, and then to enjoy it for a few days outside of that event. And you know, granted, most of my time was spent uh, downtown and so forth, but I never felt unsafe. And growing up and spending over forty years in a city like Chicago, you know, through teachings of your parents and and being in a big city, you kind of have a little bit of a sixth sense of where danger is, where to go, where not to go. And I never had that feeling in Savannah, which I think is, is a credit to, to your department. Um, Chicago, for example, I always felt the same way I felt in Savannah. I never felt unsafe until recently with some changes. And I even talked to um, the folks at Blue Star Security who are run by former Chicago police officers. And they said the city has changed, you know, given the last couple of years. And I didn't feel that in Savannah. I'd been there, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and, and now just a few months ago, and it still felt like a fun, safe, good city. So I, I think that, that that's a testament to you guys. Well, we, we appreciate that. And I mean, we really strive to make sure we create a very safe environment for our residents and our visitors. Of course, we have our challenges too, yeah. like some of the other cities, but I've got a great organization with great people and they do an outstanding job of you know, getting out there every day and doing the best job possible of making us a safe city. Yeah, which which it is. So let's talk about the demographics of Savannah, you know, doing actual research. You made me do research and look stuff up for this. You know, thanks, guys. Hashtag uh, <laughs> sarcasm. Um, according to the recent demographics, Savannah is just under 50 percent African-American and a little over 40 percent Caucasian. Yeah, we don't have to talk about the times that we live in, in in 2022. Yeah, I'm sure that creates both some unique challenges 
and possibly some opportunities in really aligning with the community. You can both of you talk about, in, not in unison, but take turns. Can both of you talk about what the Savannah PD is doing to support the community and connect with the community of Savannah? Well, I'll go ahead and start, Ken. You know, we are a city that um, has and continues to focus on a culture of inclusivity uh, for all ethnicities. Um, you know, we've got everything from Savannah State University, which is a historical black college university, to Georgia Southern University. You know, we have one of the largest St. Patrick's celebrations mm -hmm. in the country, but we also have a large pride celebration every year. We have several MLK events, along with Hispanic events, Asian events. We've got several task forces that have been put in place by our mayor's office to identify and help us connect with various ethnicities throughout the city. And I think it's really important for us as a police department to embrace that and really two avenues to embrace it as being part of that community, but also to embrace it as being part of our culture um, and our demographics in the police department and making sure we're as representative as, or as close to being representative as possible uh, with the members of the Savannah Police Department at all levels. Lieutenant? Uh, just to kind of piggyback on the, what, what the chief said, you know, Oh, that's the that's the easy answer. Yeah, the chief knows what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he he spoke about you know the task forces that we put into the mayor's office. One of the ones that you know I recently had a hand in to help uh, formulate was uh, put together a uh, clergy response team. Um, and basically, what that was was getting clergy members from throughout the city of Savannah to respond with us to, you know, critical incidents, violent crimes, uh, mm -hmm. incidents involving, you know, young people out uh, that are out on the streets and being able to connect to them on a, on a whole nother level. And not mm -hmm. only when these incidents happen, but, you know, follow-up services, uh, you know, we don't want them to feel forgotten and they serve as a bridge between the police department and the community uh, to help not only promote what we're doing. Yeah, you know, that's an awesome idea. You know, I, it's one that I, I have rarely heard. Um, my, my wife works in healthcare, and, and some of you, you, you two may have heard this, maybe some of the folks in the audience may have heard this, that Southern California, especially Los Angeles, uh, where we live, uh, has a little bit of a homelessness problem? Have you heard of that at all? Has that made national news? But one of the things that, that my wife and I always talk about is you know, certainly we don't want people to be homeless. We don't want people to be rousted. But we, we often talk about sometimes in a little bit of frustration, you know, where where is the clergy? Where are these religions? Where's the Catholic church? I happen to be Catholic. Where's the Jewish community? Where, where are these churches in terms of being able to help in this area to, to truly reach out to homeless and give them the help that they need. Because it's my belief that law enforcement, and this is my opinion, you can agree with it or not, that law enforcement's already too taxed. That, that, we, that we have a situation in most cities, if not all, 
where where law enforcement is the catch-all. When there's a fire, it's really easy. Hey, we call the fire department. You know, when somebody's having a heart attack, you know, we call an ambulance. You know, it's pretty cut and dry. When somebody is homeless and sitting on your lawn, well, who do we call? Well, we'll call police. Well, you know, there's there's a dumpster in the middle of the street. Well, who do we call? Do we call the city? No, let's call the police. That too often the police becomes this catch-all basket. Well, if we can't figure it out, Let's give it to them. And I think when it comes to some of these issues that maybe a police officer in full uniform with a weapon may not be the best person to send first. Well, you're absolutely right, Ken, because a couple of things, one of the things we implemented a little over a year ago is a behavior health unit. And our behavior health unit is staffed with two officers and a clinician and they're specifically responsible for responding to calls where people are going through some type of mental crisis. Mm -hmm. uh, we looked at our numbers and we responded to one year about 3,900 calls for service that only required somebody to respond to assist someone who's going through a mental crisis. That's not necessarily something we need to send a police officer to who, you know, several of us don't have a really high level of training in dealing with people who are going through a mental crisis. So now that we have a behavioral health unit, we've kind of become the model, not just for this area, our behavioral health unit has kind of become the model for the state where they're allocating funds to use our model to fund similar programs for other agencies and other cities around the state so that they can develop their own mental uh, behavior health unit. Yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, when I was in Savannah, if somebody was causing a disturbance with a weapon in the lobby of my hotel, I want to see you two guys. OK, because <laughs> you know how to handle that. You're trained how to handle that. But in the same respect, and this is interesting. And I apologize for kind of going down this rabbit hole, but I think it's an important discussion and one, especially with two law enforcement experts. Literally before having the pleasure to talk to you, I was walking back from the post office and there were homeless people there. There were about two or three of them, one of them clearly mentally ill. And there was one individual that was a police officer in full police gear that was talking to them and being very, very respectful. But I remember thinking, is do I want this guy doing that job? You know, do I do we really need police on the back of his uniform to do this particular job? You know, could we be using city resources better by having somebody maybe in plain clothes, having somebody that isn't law enforcement, that understands mental illness, that understands uh, even physical illness? You, know, you may have some some physical problems first to interact with this person, you know, before having somebody that's clearly a law enforcement professional come first. Yeah, am I making any sense as a civilian or am I just, you know, uh, you know, just a, an ignorant civilian walking around trying to solve problems that I can't solve? <laughs> no, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, our members of our behavior health unit, they don't wear uniforms. They don't wear mm -hmm. this. They wear a different type. They wear a polo shirt, a pair of khaki pants. There's nothing really on there that says uh, police. But the purpose of that is we want people to identify them as somebody who's coming to help them yeah. and not necessarily somebody who's coming to try and uh, take them away or put them in jail or take them away to some institution. So we purposely do that. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. 
Yeah, gotta see if Lieutenant Wiggins came up to me, you know, looking like he is today. I would think that you know I was about to buy an insurance policy. So you know, so uniform. <laughs> for those that are just listening and not watching the video, Lieutenant Wiggins looks very sharp today in a suit and tie. <laughs> I, I was just waiting for another joke to come from the chief about the way I look. So I was just kind of, I've gotten to the point where I just wait on it. You just roll with it. That's probably the best thing. so i'd say i told you we would have some fun on this so as we kind of wrap up because i do want you to get back to to real work is as funny as i can be sometimes uh but getting back into serious mode from the perspective of community policing or even outside of that you know what you're doing for law enforcement for the city of savannah is there a number one tactic or a number one program that, that you want to highlight and say, you know what, this is an example of something that we're really doing right that other cities can learn from? Well, you know, Ken, I know, you know, one of the things that I, I always really admire is a saying by Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And really making sure that you go the extra mile when you're dealing with people and interacting with people and really getting to know them and having them walk away from that conversation, feeling like, you know, you are really somebody that they can connect with. Uh, We always constantly try and find ways that we can improve our relationship with members of our community. We have several programs that have been very beneficial in doing that. Uh, We have what we call neighborhood resource officers. Each one of our police precincts, we have four of them, have one officer who's dedicated specifically to addressing neighborhood community issues. They're the direct pipeline for that particular precinct for the police department. They help in scheduling events. They help in planning events. We even help in funding events for different communities. We also have several public housing areas in our city. And we have officers who are specifically public housing officers who are specifically assigned to be the liaison in those public housing areas to assist with those types of things. But the really big thing, the number one thing is we've kind of taken the whole community policing philosophy and kind of, you know, I'd say upscaled it to where it's not just, you know, the term community policing is often an overused term Mm. and sometimes kind of take some people kind of take offense to the term community policing and is is it you know really the police you know actually com, you know policing the community and sure. what we refer to it as is relationship based policing because we want to build a relationship with members of our community not just build a partnership which is the basis of community policing but we actually want to build a relationship with members of our community and that basically means you know showing that we're committed to a relationship with them and hopefully they're committed to a relationship with us and of course that starts at the top and it starts with being you know, an example and a role model for other members of the department. I attend as many community events as I can. Um, I make sure I'm as accessible as possible to members of the public. And I expect the same from members of the department. And if they see that from the top of the organization, if they see where well, the chief's always out here, I can always contact the chief, the chief's accessible, um, then that vibrates or it should vibrate through the entire department. Yeah, I, I really like that. And I'm surprised I haven't heard it before in terms of relationship-based policing. Um, I like that. I'm going to use that. I'll give you credit for it, though, Chief. 
Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it, it going to a lot of community events, which is terrific. I'm glad that you do that. How many hot dogs and pancakes do you end up eating? Well, I'm a vegetarian, so <laughs> I've been able to keep my weight down. See, I fooled you, kid. <laughs> So, so you really didn't enjoy as much of that chart house food as I thought you did. <laughs> well, that's, that's the vegetarian part of it. You know, they told me when I first got here uh, that I gained anywhere between 25 to 50 pounds mm. during my first year. Um, and I actually weigh less now than I weighed when I started this job. Wow. Wow. Well, you're good for you that you're a vegetarian, but I can tell, I can tell everybody having been to Savannah a number of times, you're missing out on some really, really good cuisine in that city. (laughs) You're absolutely right, buddy. (laughs) So uh, Lieutenant Wiggins, I'll give you the last word. Uh, What is the best part of Savannah for those folks that are listening? You know, let's go outside of policing for a second. For those people listening that have never visited Savannah, you know, why should they come and be a tourist and take their vacation there? You know, Savannah is just a beautiful town. Uh, The history, the architecture, the buildings we have, uh, the the, the Spanish moss, you know, hanging from the trees, you know, it's just a beautiful town to walk around. Um, it's a very walkable city. Um, spoke, speak about the cuisine and, mm-hmm. you know, just the, the nightlife. There's just, there's always something to do in Savannah. Um, yeah. What can I say? Yeah, you'll never be bored. Uh, you never see the same thing twice. Yeah, my my wife enjoyed our week there. Uh, we actually went there uh, a number of years ago and and took the chance that uh, when I had my event there that we needed to spend a few more days there, and we had an awesome time. Uh, definitely recommend going to see Savannah if you haven't done that already. It's a very unique city. Uh, maybe you watch uh, the Garden of Good and Evil. Uh, or what is that? The Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil before you go there. Uh, I think that'll be fun. But most importantly, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with me today. And thank you for everything that you do. You're doing an awesome job. Thank you. Well, thank you, Ken. And- what was a very enjoyable and insightful conversation. Thank both of you again. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great episode. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today. Thank you.